It's 6.27pm. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandspring. So, well, apart from the Police and Crime Commissioner, it's all over. Yes, indeed. I think that's not going to come as a shock to anyone when that's finally unveiled tomorrow, isn't it? But uh, yes, the dust has settled. The uh, the die has been cast. The people have spoken. And we've got the results. So um, what a show we've got today. Indeed. We've got Man of the Hour um, and the source of one of the two larger shocks in Thursday's results um, on the show, um, with it joining us later on at seven o'clock, um, the newly elected councillor George Madrick. Indeed, and we're going to have a rundown and see who was the whose crystal ball was in better shape. Um, although I'm not sure, I, we, I think it's going to be close, as this election has been in many, many ways. So um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's been quite a week. I guess you must be all leafleted out by now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all leafleted out. My stairs are no longer con- containing boxes of um, literature, which is, um, it looks quite strange, actually. It's weird. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's always another leaflet. It's the sub, oh, it's the indeed. subtext of um of of the Lib Dem life. There's a, there's a, there's always another leaflet. Um, so um, so we figured today's to the title for today's show playfully, and it's not a reference to uh, the sound of music. Was uh, sixteen going I on seventeen? Sixteen going on seventeen. You're, re- <laughs> you're, you're really not. Please stop. Fellows I meet Please. will tell me I'm sweet and willingly I'll agree. Um, yeah, it's a bit of sound of music there. Well, although while I was singing the female part in a slightly deeper voice than she did, who knows? Um, well, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're not here to judge. Um, but judge is what we did on Wednesday, and we'll talk in a moment about how we got some of that really, really quite wrong, and some of that okay and right. Yeah, we, we did. A, I don't think we did too bad. But no. first, what happened on this day? So, casting our casting our browser back on this day in history, um, in 1788, the British Parliament accepts the abolition of slave trade. About time. A little bit overdue. Um, in 1896, the first horseless carriage show in London, featuring as many as 10 models. Never catch on, they reckoned. No, um, and there are, I think there are more than 10 models now. There are, but yeah... But they're they're gradually becoming less interesting. Um, they they are. Um, um, in nineteen oh four, the steam locomotive, the city of Truro, becomes the first steam engine to exceed a hundred miles an hour, which weirdly enough is um is not something probably actually seen much since. Um, God no, no, no. If you look at the trundly nature of the Portsmouth to London line yes. it is uh it's a funny one because uh, again you know somebody that relies on the rail you know we talk about hs2 getting to the north quickly a couple of years ago i played cricket in i want to say warrington and that was two stops out of london and i got there an hour and a half where it'd take nearly two hours to trundle up from portsmouth which was about a third of the distance so um yeah well i spent about 10 hours on a train to edinburgh so um 
you know, oh, that's a long way. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, or t- I think my entire day was about ten hours. It wasn't. Oh, yeah, because it was obviously go to London, then cross London, then get the train to Edinburgh, and then a train to Perth, where I was going. But hey ho, unfortunately, Perth in Scotland rather than Perth, Australia. But you definitely can get there by train. Um, so uh, yes, and the last one is 1962. The la- a laser beam successfully bounced off the moon for the first time. Um, much to the consternation of conspiracy theorists. Yeah, it wasn't there, was it? It's all made up. Indeed, yes, it's all done in a in a, in a sound stage. That um, you know, because it was only like a you know ten years later that Star Wars came out with anything kind of comparable to special effects like that. But nonetheless, we move on. That's the past. What about the future, Ian? Well, what an election it was. Let's start ward by ward. And how do we do predictionistically? So we start, we start at the very top of the list with Baffins. Indeed. I I had this as a cast iron Lib Dem hold. As did I. Gentleman Darren Sanders of this par- of your parish mm-hmm. and was returned handsomely, I think. Uh, yes, with 47% of the vote. So, um, you know, no, no, no danger there. Um, last time Darren was out, he got 48% of the vote. So, yeah, much of a muchness. But his, so, his majority's uh, kind of decreased, but his, dec- his majority is now under 1,000. But still reasonably, uh, yes, you, that, that's the... Uh, uh, wets the appetite for next year, doesn't it? Well, um, I, I guess it's it's all in the um, we sh- we shall see because um, next year um, up for is the seat that um, is held by uh, Jeanette Smith, who was elected as a Liberal Democrat but is now um, an independent. So we shall we shall kind of see how that goes. But there's a theme about independence, um, and um, we shall um, we shall talk about that later when we get to George. Steve Pitt, Central South Sea. Now this is probably this is the this was the first seismic shock, wasn't it? It was. Um, it shocked us both into silence. Yes, it it, 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 it was in, it was indeed a shock. So Steve Pitt was defeated by Charlotte Gerarda mm-hmm. by I want to say it was about a hundred and fifty odd votes. Um, going into um, ba da ba da ba da, uh, yeah, hundred and twenty nine. That's right. Big news, as Steve looked to be the heir apparent, or seemed to be the heir apparent to uh, lead the Lib Dems in the uh, in the next council, and obviously has been beaten by. Obviously, a very credible candidate. You know, it was our last hustings, and you know, all three candidates put their uh, put their case very well. Um, but uh, neither of us saw that coming. Uh, no, um, no. So you know, that that's the weird thing. At the end of the day, uh, as we said in our prediction show, we had definitely no access to anybody's analysis of data. We were just looking at what we'd seen publicly going on and um, and based on historic performance. So, yeah, that that was indeed uh, one out of the blue. Um, I, I know that Steve is a is a much-loved um, and hard-working uh, councillor that's, that's done an awful lot for the city. So he, he's going to be missed. Um, so it's... Um, yeah. It, it, it was... Um, 
you know, yeah, it was a surprise result, but that that is um, that you know that's that's the nature of elections, you know. Um, well, well, and I guess it's it's you know, and again, it's the twenty twenty vision of hindsight, which is the only time I have it. Yeah, yes. which is it was an unknown. George Fielding had won the the time before for Labour is the 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 Labour leader. Um, but yeah, I'd like just to to go on record and thank Steve for his service. I, I you know, again, nothing against Charlotte, but it does feel to me like a very thin end of the wedge having spent the last you know 18 months trying to you know with others getting the city through the pandemic and you know all of those extra hours and and the midnight oil being burned so it does feel very hard on steve and um you know whilst our politics may not be aligned i do wish him all the very best and um i think the council will be poorer without him indeed i'm i i'd agree with that i mean i guess and, and I saw this reflected elsewhere. Is that in an ideal world, you'd you'd there'd be there'd, there'd be space for um, councillors of the caliber of of Steve and candidates now councillor of of the caliber of Charlotte um, for them both to be on the on the council. But who knows what the who knows what the future lies? Um, let's um, you know it's it's all it's all to play out. But yeah, that was that was the well, that was the first big shock of the night, kind of. Cause that, oh, the, the not the night, it was because it wasn't the night; it was the day. It was, it was, it was kind of it was it was the um, episodic rather than the binge watch results that we're used it, to. So exactly yeah. that. So let's move yes across and up a little bit to Charles Dickens. Yes, where again we had both predicted a a uh, a, a labour retention there and i think the numbers played out very well for them uh yes yeah um kirsty um got 46 percent uh, of the vote um a um a considerable lead um uh, against dr renu raj um, both of who whom took place uh, took part in the uh, virtual hustings that we'd, we'd done for charles dickens um and um I- indeed kirsty um secured Six uh, percent more of the vote share than uh, than indeed Cal Corker we had the, the in two thousand nineteen. I think we do have to dwell here on on perhaps one of the sad notes of the um, of that particular ward is it, its turnout has historically been low and I think it was a new low this time at only just over nineteen percent of the electorate turned out. Um. Yes, um, it was it was down about two percent on on last time round, um, but it is also worth reflecting that about twenty percent of the dwellings in the ward are student accommodation. So, what sort of impact that has on turnout, especially at a time when university students might not actually be in the city, um, is um, you know that might kind of skew that. So, that might kind of make the wards turnout look worse than it than it actually is in in reality. It might actually be kind of uh, you know, in the median kind of range across the city. Yes, so so yeah, but uh, no. Congratulations to Kirsty. Mm, well done, Kirsty. Uh, oh, did we lose you? Sorry. That's all right. I I I went for a, a little bit, but yes, no. I mean, it, the the um, turnouts were a bit up and down, weren't they? In terms of the, um, I don't think they were all universally down. I think there was a couple were up and a. Yeah, so um, I think most uh, most were up a bit. Some were down uh, slightly, a little bit. Um, I, I think, to be fair, um, Charles Dickens was. Well, that's kind of I'm not wishing to sound like I'm contradicting my my earlier point. I think Charles Dickens was 
was down by the most percentage points than um than than some of the other wards but again that might be reflection um of what i was suggesting that with with so many of the dwellings in the ward being uh, student accommodation with those uh with those students perhaps not actually in the city at the moment uh due to all of the the covid issues um then maybe that's um that might that might be why um and you'll see that reflected so um it's it's an interesting one but as we get to Paulsgrove later on, we we'll we'll see that it is indeed possible to turn out um, to get a bigger turnout. All things are possible in Paulsgrove. But first, let's have a look at Copner, Lewis Gosling. Um, I had that one down as a con hold. Yeah, yeah, we but we we both had that. Um, yeah, we both we both agreed on everything everything so far. Um, and the only one we've got wrong, we both got wrong so far was um, was was central. Um, but um, yeah, uh, Lewis Gosling um, romped on with fifty three percent of the vote in Copner. Um, the um, the Greens did very well though with uh, with eleven percent of the vote, um, putting uh, putting the Lib Dems into third, uh, sorry, into fourth place at ten percent. Yeah, and oh, I do wonder about it, it, again when you look across the wards, um, the Greens they seem to sort of poll seven to ten percent in most of the places that they stand, but it doesn't feel to me like they they target award you know i do wonder about the greens you know unless unless there's some kind of pr they're always going to have a nominal vote share in each of the the wards but nowhere near getting getting anything close to you know realistically you know third place is a good finish for them um most of the time it's it's sadly fourth for them but anyway let's move from copner closer to home Cosham, yes, it, where it, it, one of us got it a bit wrong, didn't they, Simon? Yes. So um, I wasn't sure whether um, whether Dave Fuller would um, David Fuller would uh, be returned or indeed uh, Labour candidate um, Ashkod Shah, um, but unfortunately, I proved to be incorrect because uh, Matthew Atkins was returned with forty eight percent of of the vote um it's difficult to compare against the 2019 figure because 2019 there was a by-election in costume so everybody had two votes so um if you yeah. like the wonky maths the conservatives altogether got 38 percent of the vote share um in 2019 um and matthew this time got 48 percent um but um but shah drove the um drove the labor party vote um up by about 10 percent as well so um not um you know that i think that's a i think that's a respectable um respectable no i think it's a, a very valid effort um and off the back of that uh dr matt atkins has been announced as the new conservative group leader replacing donna jones um which again i'll be honest uh, I, I didn't see that coming um i had a couple of names in the frame um, and it wasn't necessarily Dr. Matt, but uh, congratulations, and we wish him all the best. Indeed, I, I wish him a um, a a short council career. I wish him the best oh. of a short council career. Um, yeah. But um, but bless him. Um, we were very cordial um, at the verification on Saturday, so don't worry. I'm, I'm sure he understands. So healthy, I'm um, now, healthy I am now one nil up, aren't I? Because you've because you got that so horribly wrong. <laughs> uh yes, yes, you are. 
Now, Drayton and Farlington, that that swing state, that um, really tight, could have gone down to the wire. In the end, we both tipped that the Conservatives would keep it. And what percentage of the vote did we get? Um, you, you, you. Well, the Conservatives, um, I think they weighed their vote at sixty-eight percent, uh, which was up against the fifty-five percent of the vote last time. So Drayton and Farlington seems to be the place that Conservative candidates, after standing in wards where they stand little chance of winning, they um, when they've done their time a bit, they go to D and F because they can't really lose. Um, oh. And um, so um, Councillor Ryan Brent comes back, um, rejoins the council um, as their successful candidate um, in in the wards. The Labour vote uh, dropped by about one percent. Um, the uh, Lib Dem vote picked up by one percent. Um, but um, there wasn't a UKIP candidate this time that there was in 2019 who took 13 percent of the vote. So, you know, on the on the face of it, it um, it, it kind of looks like you know, predominantly that, um, well, indeed, it's a straight swap, isn't it? It looks like all of that UKIP vote went straight to the Tories. Yeah, there is one. Like, oh, I should have made a note later down where it, it looks on paper. It's one of the Saints. It might be St. Jude, where it looks like that the UKIP vote went to the Lib Dems, which I don't think it did. But that's that's how the numbers look. But well, yeah, we'll come it, on to it, that later. It might have been a, they, yeah, it might have been some sensible Conservatives voted Liberal Democrat because you know they believe in looking after people and the UKIP people went to the Conservatives but sorry come on it's not getting getting better for you now come on East and Crane's water okay so um, ENC you predicted that as what sorry I predicted that as a Conservative gain and the note and I've still got it written out here then it was that Craig Withy would split the left-wing vote, which would allow John Smith to sneak through and win the ward. And I think, from political punditry, I'd like to call that I, I may have got that one spot on. Um, I, I, I don't disagree with your, um, with your assessment of your previous assessment, if that doesn't sound too yeah. like a trip over the, over the English. Um, so, yeah, I did get this wrong because um, I was um, hopeful that Matthew Winnington would uh, be returned. But unfortunately, um, the good folks of Eastley and Craneswater decided to uh, decided to return uh, Councillor John Smith. Um, um, hopefully, um, hopefully they can now figure out where the ward is but the um the uh, so the conservative vote share was 38 percent versus 35 percent um in 2019 so um not seeing the the meteoric increase nope. um that we have in other in other wards um the um the lib dem vote share was up five percent on uh, 2019 and the and the Labour vote share was uh, so Craig Withy, who also joined us along with um, along with Matthew in the East and Craneswater virtual hustings, uh, so their vote share went up by um, by three percent as well, and the the Greens kind of even Stevens actually on on their vote share. So um, yeah, um, but I, I think you might be right to be really honest with you. I think um, uh, yeah, I think the Labour Labour Party standing. Uh, to be honest, an energetic, incredible candidate in the form of Craig um, may well have actually helped the Conservatives win that ward. Indeed, it is a it is a tough gig. So two nil at the moment to me, but it's going to unravel later. Not, in not the, that you're uh, keeping score or anything. No, 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 no. There's 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 no winners and losers. I don't I don't um, mind being wrong. I'm used to it. Um, uh, Fratton. 
Oh, this was tight, wasn't it? Um, so yes, so uh, Fratton has been a bit of a battleground um, over the last over the last couple of years. It's been quite a tight one, um, and indeed, uh, so fifty two votes in it. So yes. uh, Stuart Brown being returned for the Liberal Democrats with thirty five percent of the vote. Uh, Nikki Coles for the Labour Party uh, coming second with thirty three percent, and the Tories on twenty four percent. Versus 2019, the Lib Dem vote shares down 4%, the Labour vote shares up 4%, um, and the, but the Tory vote share is actually up 14%, um, but there's also no UKIP candidate who took 13% in 2019. So I think there's a bit of kind of swapping from one to the other going on. It does appear to be a bit more moving around, and I'm going to hold my hands up. I got this one wrong. I thought uh, I thought Labour would sneak this, so uh, you've closed the gap to two one. But yeah, that was the one I think. Did where, I win um, power on that one and say it was too close to call? Uh, did I? I know. I think you? I did. I think I said. Oh. Um, we'll have oh, to review oh. our own records. Um, but oh, yeah, I, no I think I didn't call this one either way because I I couldn't tell the spitting distance. I thought there was a cigarette paper between it. Um, oh. And to be fair, the result kind of bears that out if you look at the numbers yeah i think i've got to give you that one because yeah 55 you're, you're there and i got it wrong so let's call it 2-1 right let's move on where do we go next hillsey to hillsey sunny, to sunny hillsey so um both called it as a cast iron conservative win yeah donna jones being replaced by daniel weems i believe is the correct pronunciation rather than the way my screen reader botches it into wemis yeah so uh, daniel weems and i believe he not only did he win but got a fairly significant uptick in the vote as well um a 21 percent increase in the vote um so the percentage of the vote share is up by 21 points versus 2019 so uh, yes um as much as enc was behind the conservative increase in vote shares across the city um hillsey was ahead basically of the of the median increases um so a very very strong result um have to be honest not really unexpected in in um in yep. fortress hill in blue fortress hills well, we moved from blue fortress to yellow fortress as we thought so we both called milton as a cast iron win from for friend of the pod kimberly barrett and i think a, a sound solid win but perhaps not by the margin that we had expected um, yeah, indeed, um, it was a closer race, perhaps than 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 I think either of us um, expected that to be. But uh, but Kimberley was indeed returned with thirty eight percent of the vote um, versus um, the forty one percent that um, that Gerald Vernon Jackson secured in two thousand nineteen. Um, but Labour, um, in the guise of Paul Rand Savage, um, secured thirty two percent of the vote. Um, which is up on the twenty six percent that she'd secured in twenty um, in twenty nineteen. So um, yeah, there's um, there's a difference there. But the, but the Tories again, um, Jack Smith, who we discovered last week, isn't related to John Smith. Twenty three percent in twenty twenty one versus um, the Conservative candidate in twenty nineteen, um, which was Stephen Gorries, who I believe stood is it St Jude. Stood in you right. At twelve, um, got twelve percent. So again, the Conservative vote share up by more than ten percent. Uh, sorry, ten points on the. So I'm comparing percentages versus yeah, percentages, yeah. just to make sure that's clear in in our analytical honesty. Um, but yeah, so um, but still, nonetheless, a convincing uh, a convincing win with a uh, with a majority of two hundred and twenty. That brings us on to Nelson. 
which we both had down as a Lib Dem hold. Uh, and, and neither of us were wrong. No, Leo Madden comfortably home. Indeed, uh, Leo came back home um, with 43% of, of the vote, um, which was actually um, mirroring what Lee Hunt got in 2019, 43%. Um, the interesting thing was the swapping of uh, second and third places. So the Conservatives um, moved into second place at 31% this year, whereas they only had 14% of the vote in 2019. Uh, the Labour Party, 20% of the vote year, this year versus the 18% that they had um, in 2019. But the candidate into, there was a UKIP candidate in the form of Mike Jerome, who stood as an independent in Cosham this year. Um, who had 18% in 2019, but with no UKIP candidate, it, it's clear that, um, you know, obviously the um, the Conservative Party benefit, benefited by some of that um, and their and their vote share um, increasing quite significantly. We're going to skip over Paulsgrove and save the best till last. We are indeed. We have we have uh, Councillor Madrick in the waiting room, so I'll let him in in a, in a moment when we get there. Um, St. St Jude. So, hey, Jude. I got this one wrong. I had this as the lab gain. So, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Hugh Mason held on to St. Jude with 36% of the vote. Um, Raj Ghosh um, from the Labour Party at 33%. Stephen Gorries uh, from the Conservatives at 23%. And the Greens at 8 um, Versus um, 2019. So that was when... Um, Labour um, Labour um, won the ward um, in 2019, um, returning Graham Heaney um, with 33%. So although Labour seemed to have maintained their vote share... Um, this was the one where I you, you got your extra 8% from all the UKIPers that have gone Lib Dem. Well, um, the Tories were 24% in 2019 and 23%. So the Tories' vote share seemed, weirdly seems to have gone down. The Lib, yep. Dem, Lib Dem vote share versus uh, versus twenty nineteen has actually gone up by ten percent. Yep. Uh, the Greens um, have gone down from ten percent to um, to eight percent. So the um, yeah, it's it's an interesting. One. I mean, the turnout is 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 up by. Uh, I'm just having a look. Turnout's up up by about uh, four hundred um, versus. Um, but then again, the um, the electorate is up is also up by about four hundred. So. Yeah, it's um, it's a strange one, but yeah, I think there's probably some swapping around. Doing UKIP had eight percent of the vote in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which they um, and transferred the, over to the two percent. You nicked off the Greens, eight percent off the Kippers. Come to join you and your home and host. Are you trying to say that the Liberal Democrats <laughs> eat their Greens? Hey, right, St Thomas. Okay, well, this one was both added down so. as an LD hold. So does that make us two two? Just to it does make us two two, mate. Okay, just just checking. Um, okay, so how are we doing for time? Okay, we're doing good. So St. Thomas, um, Ian Holder returned for the Lib Dems at 42% um, versus uh, Chris Atwell's 40% as Lib Dem, uh, successful Lib Dem candidate in 2019. Um, the Again, swapping about between second and third place. The Tories at second place, Alicia Denny with 28% versus Terry Henderson's 22% in 2019 and Labour's uh, Rebecca Ozniak at uh, 23% versus Samuel Chowdhury's 25% um, in 2019. Um, again, the Greens went up from 5 to 7%. So, 
So, yeah, um, slight increase in, in Lib Dem vote share. Um, again, the, the Tories um, increasing, by not a, but, but not by a huge amount. Um, to be fair, only by um, six percent up on the on, on the previous election, um, and um, and Labour going down by two percent. So it does seem there's been kind of like a bit of a a bit of a swapping about of votes. So a heavily contested ward, I think, St Thomas. As we, I mean, as we talked about it last year, we said it was it was one of the one of the three ways in the city, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a swing state. So this brings us neatly to Paul's Grove. It does. So Paul's Grove. Again, hustings where we had three of the four candidates appear in person and the other one send a note through. Um, good debate. And we, we heard, you know, George Madrick make a very impassioned kind of statement on there that, that effectively he was the only person that could beat the Conservative. And we watched with popcorn and uh, and sort of furrowed brows as, as watched his... Uh, his campaign go on and we saw you know lots of energy in the tony hewitt camp and then on the prediction night i said i thought it'd be too close to call you back george and what was the result the result was um george secured um a whopping 49 percent of the vote um wow. with, with the tories beaten into 37 uh, percent um labor at 12 percent and the lib dems shrinking to two percent uh, and that's versus the Conservatives at 37% in 2019, Labour at 26%. So um, quite a significant shrink in the Labour vote, that going down by 14 points. The Lib Dem vote going down by six points. Um, there was a Green in 2019 who got 4%. There weren't any Greens this time. And there was 25% um, in 2019 secured by, the, uh, by a UKIP candidate. Um, when of course there wasn't one um, in this election, so uh, yes, a, a very powerful return, but a massive increase in turnout as well. Yeah, Paulsgrove traditionally one of the poorer turnout wards was about usually about twenty five percent turnout, and I think it was over thirty three percent this time. I'm just scrolling down to the to the stuff that I did because uh, I can't find the. Um, the link, but but um, but yeah, the turnout was um, three thousand four hundred thirty-one against an electorate of ten thousand two hundred twenty-nine. Electorate was only um, in twenty nineteen was ten thousand one hundred twenty-eight, so not up by huge much. But the turnout was two thousand six hundred, so you know an eight hundred vote increase in turnout. I found it. So the yeah, the turnout was up by seven point eight points as a percentage. Wow. So the turnout was thirty-three point five percent. And that is a wow number, isn't it? It is. So, um, shall we get the man of the moment in himself? I think we shall, and then we better just do a quick synopsis of the uh, of the total changes before we then dive into uh, to have a chat with George. It, indeed. Well, let me get, let me welcome him on in. Hello. Good evening, George, or Councillor Madrick, should we say? Indeed. How does that sound, Councillor Madrick? It's strange, <laughs> incredibly strange. But um, yeah, I fought hard for it, so it feels good at the same time. An incredible result. Um, and we're going to dive into a, a, a bit more detail in a minute. And we're just uh, just going to finish off the summary of um, what changed. And we will have a little bit of a chat with you about the campaign and basically everything that happened in Paul's Grove. And then 
maybe have a little bit of a kick around between ourselves as to what happens next. Sure, sure. So if my maths is correct, Simon, mm -hmm. the Lib Dems in this particular round went from eight seats down to six. That's correct. The Conservatives went from four seats to five. Yeah. Labour went from one seat to two. Yep. And in a quirk, independence went from one to one, but a completely different flavour of independence. Yeah, in, in, indeed. Um, I mean, there are different ways of kind of looking at that figure. Um, you know, the Lib Dems secured the largest number of seats available at this election. Um, but of course, the contest isn't about the number of seats available at this election. It's it's how many seats each party has um, within the council chamber and what that means for um, for the future of the council and who runs the council. And we'll have a little bit of a look into that late later. But let's first focus on a, 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 a name many people wouldn't have heard. and We hadn't heard it. Peter Ashley, who was the last councillor to, to be elected as an independent. Um, and he was first elected into Charles Dickens back in 72 and then stood seven terms on the bounce, last being elected in 1991. Um, and so served up until 1995. So he was the last person to do it. And 30 years on, we have George, first independent to be elected to Portsmouth City Council for 30 years. How does that feel? Um, yeah, it's just mad, isn't it, really? It's absolutely crazy. I mean, everyone obviously told me it couldn't be done. And realistically, it shouldn't have been able to be done. So um, the fact we were able to do it is is nothing short of incredible. And a 23-year service term for Peter, you, you fancy beating that? Or is it a bit early to say? <laughs> a bit early to say, yeah. Let's see what the future brings. <laughs> oh, crikey, that's set the expectation up, mate. Bloody hell. Yeah, no, no, come <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Jeez. 23 years, yeah. Yeah, they haven't, even, they haven't even given him his laptop yet. Crikey. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I guess, I guess as you said, it, it, you know, to, to some degree, it might not, might not have kind of sunk in. But hopefully you've, you've at least had some sleep since, um, since all, all, of the, all of the campaigning. But um, so what, what do you think's kind of made the difference this time? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, luckily I managed to sleep last night. I can't, for someone that's really like calm and collective i couldn't even begin to tell you how much of a bag of nerves i was for 48 hours originally when they said that they were delaying the count until friday and saturday i thought that's a great idea because after thursday i'll be able to get asleep and you know then i can worry about the next day no i wish they did it on the night it was um i literally didn't sleep for two days because i knew i knew it was close I, I i mean i didn't i mean to be completely honest with you and i'm sure both of you guys would agree with this i did not for a second believe that i would win by 400 votes um, that is something that didn't even enter my mind as a possibility. So that really took me and probably everybody there off guard. Um, but yeah, it, it was a very proactive campaign um, and it was really enjoyable. But I started really, really early on. Uh, a friend of mine is a is a councillor up north and he is an independent as well and has, has won oh, for about 10 years now, I think, um, every time he's been up. So he, but he believes in starting really early and starting on a really local grassroots level, speaking to people, knocking doors. And that's something that I started back in January. So this campaign for me had been going on for about five months now. So by the time that the nomination period come up, I had already kind of accumulated a rough number of support that I could, I could rely on to help me with the campaign. 
and that's that i mean one traditional wisdom george says that you know realistically you, you can't win award without significant boots on the ground and if we look at it and you know when you look across the city there are wards that it is clear and we touched on like Drayton and Farlington where you know some of the opposition parties have just looked at that and said no chance of winning here um you know so we'll not put a candidate up but have no expectations of winning it mm. how on earth did you manage to create a, a, a momentum and energy you know, without a without a party system behind you to 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 do that heavy lifting. I mean, I think it's I think it was beneficial that Paulsgrove is an insanely tight community. Um, I would argue probably one of the tightest across Portsmouth. It's it is really community led, and I do think that as you probably know, Paulsgrove has got a history of being quite a swing seat. It's been Labour and Conservative, and that you know a lot of times the, the the votes swap up and down. I think UKIP won it as well before they did. Um, so I know that obviously it's changed hands quite a lot. But what I noticed was is that a lot of people felt really disenfranchised by a few certain things, and they felt like they weren't being listened to um, by the city council. I wouldn't even say that it was a it was a local councillor problem. I think it was more of a city-wide council problem um, that Paulsgrove residents did, just didn't feel like things were being done um, and didn't feel like they were being listened to by the local council. And that's something that we managed to kind of discuss and work on. But fundamentally, I think there's a lot of discontent across the nation for the political parties at the moment. And I think fundamentally a lot of the times you know i know we've seen labor's vote share drop and lots of different things happen over the last few days nationally but to be fair i don't know if there's been much of an option for people whereas having an independent on the ballot paper and an independent that had already been fighting and had already been kind of doing a lot of social media a lot of campaigning a lot of work for the community it gave people an alternative option to vote for and i think that was really important it just goes to show that despite um despite people telling you that things are impossible you you know it is possible to make things happen but well this is this was a turning point for me you see um because back in march i think it was march i got a bit of traction and i noticed that there was a bit of traction building and i felt quite confident that i would do well and i think i told you before simon that i think second is my aim i think second is where i can come up my aim was to beat labor and liberals and if i could beat the tories amazing but my aim was always reasonable and I thought that if I could come second this year that would be an incredible result and I, I had no expectations of winning at the time but I'm not going to name any names but a certain person said to me on a phone call one day there is no chance you're winning Paulsgrove and I said no no, no I'm going to win Paulsgrove and he went you haven't he said you're going to do well don't get me wrong but you ain't got a chance in hell of winning it and the second I was told that I thought right now we're ball? now we're gonna go and win it, and I think that was the biggest mistake they made was telling me that I can't win it because I thought right that's it gloves are off I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and work this as hard as I physically can I think I remember telling you Simon before that I'm gonna live and breathe it and it, and that's what I did for six weeks solid I didn't do anything but speak to residents and campaign and campaign and campaign. Well, um, it. In, in many kind of ways, it's um, from all of the kind of the, all of the books that I've seen and all of the advice and conversations that I've seen from from people within uh, within the within political machinery that, that I speak to. To be honest, they are, you know, they're, they're actually really fundamentally quite simple things, but they're really actually quite difficult to do unless you've got the people to um, the people to do them. Ian spoke about 
there are probably wards in the city where um where you know other parties are you know parties or particular parties aren't, aren't competitive and i don't think that's a conscious choice of oh we leave that one alone mm-hmm. i think it's a practical logistical choice of we don't have that many members there or we don't have that many volunteers there so you you realistically have to have to channel your resources into the places where that where they can be most effective a hundred percent and i think that was one probably one of my benefits is that mm. i have had a lot of kind of supporters and people that believe that I, in what i was doing mm-hmm. um not just from paul's grove but uh, i had supporters in cosham and supporters in hillsey and supporters in nelson and all of those came to paul's grove to help me so i was able to not have to spread any although i didn't have loads of resources the resources i did have weren't spread across multiple yeah. wars they were they were focused on one and i think that really gave me a benefit as well because we were able to fly the entire of paul's grove in just two days before the election um and i think that was a really really important thing as well yeah that that's that's quite impressive from a from a ground game perspective to, to be honest the capacity to be able to to be honest to be able to cover an entire ward mm-hmm. especially a ward as 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 spread out as paul's grove is um in two days that I, i'm I'd have to take my hat off to you. That is, that is really quite impressive. It's not just me. I had a, a, an amazing set of team behind. Yeah, me were helping, and, and they were the thing is, is they were as passionate as I was, and they were saying to me, "If you don't win this, we're going to kick you." You know, they were they were get, <laughs> after everybody yeah, after all the work that as well. It, honestly, it was a massive team effort. I mean, we I don't know if you know this or not, but um, we personally addressed every single letter to every single resident in the entire ward of Poolsgrove. So every single letter that went through the door had the person's name on it um and that took forever there was like six thousand of them to do and it took such a long time but as i say i had my team you know we're watching football we're sitting there with writing and so you know, we did it over months and months and months but as i say it certainly wasn't just a me effort so please don't no. think it was it was a massive team effort and without the team that i had and the volunteers and the people supporting me it could never have been done no, indeed, and these, to be honest, these things these things never are. the The person that's actually standing on the ballot paper is just the is like the tip of the iceberg. It's just the person mm. you see behind everybody. There's there's a there's a level of support um, and hardworking volunteers that are varying different degrees. Um, but what was kind of clear, especially with the example that you've kind of called out there, is is just the amount of to be blunt boots on the ground that you you obviously were able to to generate. Uh, and to get kind of out there. Um, so what I, kind of, yeah, sorry. Go on. I was going to say, I hope what I've done is I've proved to the other parties and other independents that it can be done now. You know, there's no such thing as a ward you can't win anymore. I think, and hopefully I've managed to inspire some people to go, do you know what? Every ward is a winnable ward. Because I guarantee if you, if I asked you both a year ago, could an independent win Paul's Grove? You'd say not in a million years, you know, it's, it, but hopefully now parties see, as you say, seats that usually they think, look, there's no point in doing that. Hopefully they can now try and focus some attention on those and make it a bit more interesting for next year. And it's an interesting, when we look at the turnout, George, you know, a, a massive leap, you know, yeah. and again, a fellow councillor who's an independent observed the turnout and the first word was holy and the second was an expletive. Um, you know, the traditional wisdom says that Port Solon votes and Paul's Grove doesn't. Yeah. Um, How did you flip that on its head? Well, you are completely accurate. And actually, uh, I think if I'm correct, uh, that 
uh, Port Solent also had a record turnout as well for, for voters. I think Port Solent returned 365, roughly. I think I think that was the number, r- r- around about 360. And usually they only return like mid 200s. But I mean, when we were at the count and we were counting out all the ballots and stuff, Port Solent was easily a Tory win by a long way, you know, by a long, long way. But as you say, Paulsgrove don't stereotypically vote. And that's always the problem is that the Tories win it on Port Solent and on the postal votes. But I don't think that a lot of Paulsgrove actually realised that was the case. Um, And it was kind of just speaking to people and being like, look, you know, there is an option. A lot of people have become really disenfranchised with politics because of a lot of things, you know, including Brexit, all the different arguments between parties. And Paulsgrove especially has become really disenfranchised, along with like Charles Dickens, for example. And I just... I guess I gave them a reason to vote. I guess I gave them a reason to get out their house and vote um, and inspired them that it, it, it was worth giving me a shot. And now I've simply got four years to prove myself, you know, because if, if I don't do well and if I don't keep to my promises and I don't work my butt off, I'm going to be kicked out. So now the hard work's got to start and hopefully I'll be re-elected again. Well, just to pile on the pressure, isn't this one only three years because of the move of the election? I don't. I, I was told it's four, but it might be three. But I was told it's four. But we'll see. Well, let's find out what happens in three years' time. Let's find out <laughs> in three years' time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just need to keep. You know, don't think it's four, and then find out a week before that you were meant to be campaigning. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but and here we're going to go into a few stats, uh, George. And forgive me, um, but I, but I, I think. I, I think you could be in a very interesting position. I've got so, a problem, haven't I, guys? I, I, think, I think you have. <laughs> so the way the council sits at the moment is thus. The Conservatives are the biggest group with 16 seats. One of the independents is, an, is a still strongly linked with the Conservative Party, and there is no doubt that she would lend her support to the Conservatives. So that puts them on 17 seats. The Lib Dems are on 15. There are two other independents, which whilst they may not necessarily support the Lib Dems, they are, I think, cast iron guaranteed not to support the Conservative Party. So this effectively puts the two leading parties in potentially a 17-all draw. The Labour Party could, as they did last time, give the Liberal Democrats a leg up. But my observation on that is having targeted the ward of their their leader-in-waiting and effectively deposed him, it, it doesn't suggest there's a particular warmth to, to that. So it's a 17-all draw. We're going to suggest that the Labour Party sits on their hands. So the spotlight in a, you know, we're going to get some dry ice and you're going to emerge through it. And the spotlight falls on George Madrick, independent, the man who could be kingmaker. The only the person that's only been in politics for a week. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't feel like Ian right, putting, you, putting you under pressure in, in any sort of way. Yeah, no, we um, were debating what... what what you were going to come through the mist, what we, what your ring walk was going to be. Yeah, um, I, I'm praying to God, to be honest, that uh, that Labour decide to uh, make a move, but I I can't see it either from what I'm hearing, um, from what I'm hearing as well, that they're probably going to abstain, which will leave me with a certain predicament. Um, 
what a strange position to be put in, hey? Well, <laughs> oh yes, but no, as 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 I as you know, I love a spreadsheet, me George, and I was pottering about with it on Friday through Saturday, and and Simon phoned me fairly early on Saturday, and I have to say, I don't think you'll mind me sharing that the boy was a tad despondent. Um, Steve had gone, Matt had gone, and there had only been like four or five wards declared, and it was all looking pretty horrible for the Lib Dems. But as the day went on, things started to get better with the little sneak over the line in Fratton and, you know, the, some of the other wards that were a bit tighter didn't go there. And, you know, we were there waiting for the Paulsgrove result. And it's like, well, if that's Conservative, then, oh, that's... That's eighteen seventeen, and they are done and dusted, home and hosed. But if it's George, do, 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 yeah, don't worry, do, I'm, do, 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 I'm do. The pressure as well. I, it's just it's just going to have to be a waiting game, really. Um, needless to say, as you can probably imagine, I've had phone calls already from certain people in certain parties, as you can imagine. Um, but I'm not making any decisions yet, and I'm certainly going to keep my cards very, very close to my chest very in the sensible. lead up to it, um, in the hope and pray in that Labour <laughs> decide to <laughs> decide to step up Dig and uh, make a decision. But we should. Well, I mean, what do you guys think will happen? Do you think do you think Labour will abstain, or do you think Labour will make a decision? I'll let Simon answer that one first. Um, I mean, obviously, I've got absolutely no inside knowledge of the inner machinations of the local Labour Party. Um, so unless any of their newly elected councillors or members want to jump into the comments and tell us... Um, that would be lovely if they that, did. That would be lovely if they did. Yeah, um, please. <laughs> um, so it would help us all out. But um, I, I don't know. I guess for me, it's really difficult to predict because um, to be fair, Labour voting in the Liberal Democrat administration in 2018 was an unexpected um, action on their part. However, um, as Ian said, them um, voting in 2014 to enable a Conservative administration costs, um, you know, I think to be fair, costs them a relationship with their, with their local members, I, I could imagine. Um, so I, I, I can't see them. I, I mean, and in fact, I've seen, uh, I think Charlotte actually said in um, one of the discussions, either in our comments or in uh, comments elsewhere, um, that, you know, the only thing she was able to confirm was that, that, that basically there wouldn't be a, a, a vote to support a Conservative administration, which is a shock to absolutely no one. Um, I'm deeply disappointed. Um, yeah, well... Partisan I, politics, no okay. place for it. I'll, they I'll, should, I'll, be, I'll, they should I'll, be voting us in. I'll send you a cake. Um, so um, I honestly don't know. Is the truth. All I know is that mathematically, um, you can't assume um, what um, uh, what the PPP uh, group are going to do. You because uh, it wouldn't be fair to, to assume that. I, I would take it to the bank that they're not going to support a Conservative administration. Also, but what what they would do, don't know. What Labour would do, honestly, don't know. I just know how the numbers work out e either kind of way. Does it work out that? Um, that the Liberal Democrat administration is is able to continue, or if everybody sits on their hands, does that mean that because the Conservative Party then have the largest, even though still not um, not a so even though they have the largest number of uh, councillors, um, with them sixteen going on seventeen, if you if you include the if you include Linda, um, then you know they they're going to if no one else votes against them, if everybody abstains, they're going to be able to form an administration. Is that yeah. likely? Don't don't know. I mean, 
I mean, fundamentally, from my my point of view, my focus and my my priorities is Paulsgrove. Very simple. Yep, absolutely. So, um, if my vote happens to be the deciding one, then we'll have to discuss with the parties what they can do for Paulsgrove, because fundamentally, that's my interest. Um, you know, the people of Paulsgrove elected me to look after them and to represent them. Um, and I guess that's that's what it will have to come down to, whatever is in the best interest of my of my constituents. Exactly. So, George, let me give you my perspective. I think there are three possible outcomes, maybe four, um, but I think in the majority of them, uh, George will be okay except the one. So for me, La Labour, I don't believe, are going to give the Lib Dems a leg up this time. So that's my... That's my, I'm going to put that on the table now. I would be very surprised if they do, because if they did, I think the Conservative message next year would be very clear. If you vote for Labour, you may as well vote Lib Dem, because that's what you're going to get. They're never going to get an outright majority. So I think that that leaves them quite exposed. Uh, the key is the, the PPP group. Now, if they abstain, then ultimately the Conservatives will win irrespective of how you vote. You can abstain as well, and it will be 17-15. The key is to how that group jumps. And if they go with the Lib Dems, which is what I would suspect, then everything's down to George. It's not getting easier for you, mate. <laughs> um, but like you said, surely, um, I mean, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Um, considering for years, and at least for 30 odd years, people might be saying there's no power in being an independent. And here we are in a situation where you've proved that something is actually possible rather than impossible. And you could well be in a situation where, quite frankly, um, as you've just said, you get to decide what happens next on the basis of what's right for the people of Paulsgrove. And that kind of seems quite fitting in the circumstances, doesn't it? I think so. And I think that, to be fair, Paulsgrove has felt like a little kind of black sheep of the Portsmouth family for a long time. And I think that was one of the things that Paulsgrove really backed me for is the fact that obviously I'm local. I understand what the community needs. And as I say, and fundamentally, because I'm independent, this is the beauty of it, because I'm independent, I am free, completely free of ties of who to vote for. And I'm going to, I, I, don't get me wrong, it's no secret, I've had a few problems with a few different councillors in, in the council in a past life, in a previous life, but the way I see it now is the slate is wiped clean. So anything that happened prior to yesterday, the slate is clean as far as my eyes are concerned. And I'm looking at it with complete open transparency. And as I say, all I care about now is the constituents of Fallsgrove. All I care about is their interests and However that happens or whatever method I have to take to make sure that Paul's guy's interests are looked after the best, that is what I will do. So there is certainly, you know, I mean, a lot of you will suggest that, oh, George is probably morally more leans that way or more leans that way. But as I've always said in politics, it's not about me. It's not about my personal opinion or personal belief. I work for the constituents and that's who I report to and that's who I'll work for. And I guess as we as we look ahead, obviously next year you don't have to fight a campaign, but you 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 noted in your in your kind of lead in that, that there were you know independent supporting people from across a number of wards that you know rallied to George's aid in Paulsgrove. Do you think next year there is a chance that there will be a 
targeted independent group going after you know one or more of the well i guess it's probably only gonna you know it's that if you focus your efforts on one ward you've got a better chance of making a difference you see that potentially happening next year simple answer breaking news to the pompey politics podcast yes it will it will be doing with a vengeance so yes we have already people got lined up in different areas and we are starting next week well well he means it there we go (laughs) you heard it you heard it first here we uh yes we we've already got a plan in place um there is a few people that we'll be looking at and there's a few target seats for us that we want to be aiming for next year um and that is something we'll be working on um but completely independent not a not a um you know not with any other party or anything completely independent and the people that are standing will be free like i am to make any decisions they want Okay, so this this could signal a game change in Portsmouth politics. Well, fundamentally, I, I somehow managed to do it for Paulsgrove, and we've just got to replicate that 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 philosophy and that theory that across the uh, other wards that we're potentially looking at. I certainly won't let you know what wards we are looking at currently. Oh, um, damn it. I was just expecting you to read a list at that point, George. I'm very disappointed at your. Well, you'll find out in March next year. You're secretive and candid nature. What do you mean, 51 <laughs> weeks ahead of the next election? You're not going to tell us who's up. <laughs> and, and to be fair, though, George, we you know we we've we've done this podcasts we've we, we looked and we analyzed all the wards and and there are clearly some wards which cannot be won and, and i'm gonna say that you know but there are clearly some wards and, and we've touched on it where i think they have you know either they've not been as well represented or as well supported or they've perhaps been a little bit taken for granted hundred percent a hundred percent there is a i'm sure that you guys could also name a few wards where your opinion is of that nature um and they're the ones that we'll probably be targeting we're looking at three we're looking at three so i'll tell you that um and then you can uh to decide which three you think they are but we're looking okay. we're looking at three um as as a big target for us next year but yeah and, that, and that's the problem is that a lot of the parties and campaigning have become kind of a bit a bit lethargic and lazy and i think that's that's where maybe we can we can make a bit of a foothold we'll see well it is a it is a fascinating situation and 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 for me george you know i'd, I'd like to say you know thank you for you know you were you're probably the first candidate to confirm that you would you know you would come on to the hustings um you know we we've and this is we're going to blow our own trumpet a little bit here we i think i personally have been stunned at how well they were received i don't know whether you're aware but the paul's grove episode got nearly 1300 views um those aren't numbers we're used to if i'm honest mm-hmm. um so uh yeah our, our, our listenership is is usually a little bit lower than that and i think you know across the hustings um we are probably pushing on towards sort of eight or nine maybe even ten thousand views in total so i want to thank you for being the first person to step forward and support the work that we're doing of course and i always will and that's why i offered offered to come on tonight as well i think it's important and what i will say to any future possible candidates that are listening here and this is not this is not uh, this is not blowing trumpets i got voters off of doing your hustings i literally had people that were sat on the fence or voting for another party literally messaged me after the hustings i did with you guys saying I am now voting for you after watching that Hustings. And I think I got 18 as, as to my recollection. So I picked up 18 votes 
just purely off of doing your hustings. So they were they were the people that were prepared to tell you. Um, so I, my my, my yeah. view is always if there were eighteen that were prepared to message you, exactly, uh, there are probably um, pro pro probably many more who who you know it guided their ex and. Um, right. So we we wish you all the very best in your uh, in your four years, and you know if it comes down to to George Madgwick Kingmaker, then um, I'm sure you will do the best for the people of Paulsgrove. Don't listen, Simon. Um, Pentagons, we're best, honest, we really are. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless him! And I say that in an in an evil voice while stroking my cat in the style of a <laughs> like a Bond villain. Yes, okay. Um, mm, you were supposed to vote, Mister Bond. Um, so. <laughs> Okay, but uh, yeah, no, um, really, really well done. Uh, a really cracking result for for you, your team, and and for the people of Paulsgrove. The people of Paulsgrove getting up and voting, that yes. you know, giving them uh, you giving them a reason to do so, um, just goes to show that actually people shouldn't take wards for granted. People shouldn't take voters uh, for granted, and people shouldn't shouldn't accept when they're told that things aren't possible because things are. I'm going to quote a bit. Yeah. And uh, honestly, the, the people of Paulsgrove were amazing. I had I literally over 400 posters in Windows. I had so many people sharing my stuff. I remember the day of the election, I had 150-odd shares on a post that I did asking for people to come out. And when, like, I went to Port Solent late on in the day, um, and literally everyone that was walking out of Port Solent was going, yeah, we voted for Tory, we voted Tory, we voted Tory. And I was like, oh, look, it me, and, me and Tony were sitting there at the same time. So I was one side and Tony was the other side. And they were going, we voted for you, we voted for you, we voted for you. And I was like, oh, crap, this is looking dangerous. And I went, what's the numbers here, by the way? And she's like, oh, we're at about 350. I was like, oh, my God, this is not good. So literally I got onto Facebook and I was like, right, Paul's Grove, listen up. You know, we can win this, but you need to get out now. And I think that was about nine o'clock at night. And I got literally like 70 odd shares within like 20 minutes from people in Paul's Grove. And then when I was going around to the stations at about quarter to 10 at night, because doing like the last visits, just getting like an idea of numbers and stuff. There was a queue outside the LE, um, the LE polling station, which is a uh, Blakemere Crescent. And there was a queue of, of, of people in their dressing gowns and their pajamas. I literally pulled wow. up my van and they were like, Hey George and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, people have actually seen that. And I went into the polling station and the guy said to me, have you put a post on Facebook? I went, yeah, why? He said, we've had people turning up because they've seen this post on Facebook. So as I say, it, it's not just my win. It, honestly, I, I could not have done it without the residents of Paul's Grove. They pushed me past the line and pushed it to all their friends and family. And for that, I'm forever grateful, honestly. Marvellous. Excellent stuff. Thank you, George. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guest has been... George Madgwick. Councillor Madgwick. Councillor Madgwick. And I've been Simon Sansbury. And thank you, by the way, to uh, Tim Owens and Cy Bunting for the data uh, about uh, Peter Ashley uh, as the previous independent councillor. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, 
Play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die from Amazon Music. Alexa, Play the latest episode. Stop. See? It's easy.